Welcome to Discography, the music podcast that delivers the objective truth about the entire discography of every single artist and band that ever existed. I'm Dave Gebro. And I'm Joe Kennedy. And uh, in this episode of Discography, Joe? Yeah, today we have a very special episode um, that's going to deviate a little bit from our regular format, and it melds with the format of one of our favorite podcasts. That's right. Tonight, uh, we bring you Sleep With Me, Discography's most somniferous LPs. The first ever podcast about the greatest albums to fall asleep to that's designed to put you to sleep before the show reaches the end. Warning, this is designed to be listened to at night. Also, there will be no reviews for any of the records we talk about tonight. They're all great, just like the guest we've landed for you. This show, we're, uh, we're intentionally going to try to put you to sleep. Not accidentally, like usual. That's right. That's right. Uh, and, and this great guest we've landed for you, he is the creator and host of Sleep With Me, the one-of-a-kind bedtime story podcast featured in the New York Times, The New Yorker, CBS Sunday Morning, and Nova. Born out of his childhood insomnia, Sleep With Me was inspired by late-night comedy radio, which was the only thing that helped him fall asleep. Created back in 2013, Sleep With Me combines the pain of insomnia with the relief of laughing and turns it into a unique storytelling podcast. His stories on the show are inspired by his childhood as the oldest of six children and past jobs as a fuzzy dice and iron-on patch salesperson, fruit fly monitor for the state of California, and librarian for one of the largest jails in the country. Through Sleep With Me, this man has dedicated himself to help those who feel alone in the deep, dark night and just need someone to tell them a bedtime story, kind of like Freddy Krueger in reverse. Lads and ladies, way out in the yonder twilight reaches of Discography City, will you please help me in welcoming to the hallowed halls of Discography, Scooter, a.k.a. Scoots, a.k.a. Drew Ackerman. Hey, thanks for thanks for having me. Out. I've never uh, been associated with Freddy Krueger, but he's. Got, I, I hope I, I I should have put on a comfy sweater like he wears. So cozy and comfy, this Freddy's sweater. He's, yeah, he's good, I never really thought of how how much he's Freddy's really into comfort. Really, he's you know he's, he looks like he's very yeah. comfy, right. He's cozy. It, I don't know why he's so you know, angry. It's like it's like slipping on an old sweater. That's what that, <laughs> that's Freddy's adage. Uh, so I want to I want to you know first tell you that I really am grateful your show provides an incredible service to not just me, but many, many others like me. You have a huge audience. Um, I suffer from insomnia. I actually never really did, uh, except for one brief point in my life. And then uh, a multitude of things happened recently, besides obviously the pandemic. Um, I, within five months, I had an operation for, I'm 50 years old, had an operation for kidney cancer, uh, and then two back-to-back -back, uh, operations on my neck for severe spinal stenosis. And the second one was because the first one went wrong. Yeah, it so. went wrong. I lost control. I was not able to use my left arm. Um, it was horrifying. This is right before the pandemic happened. Um, and... Uh, what, what wound up happening was I was, um, I, you know, was and am in recovery and I had 13 years clean and sober and all of a sudden I was on everything. I was on morphine, I was on uh, Norco, I was on um, 
you just really, I mean, they had me on everything and it was, the pain was uh, at psychedelic levels of intensity. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to be, to have lost, uh, my, my time in the program and, and, um, you know, to my wife, uh, unfortunately was, um, was laid off from her, from her job of 17 and a half years due to the pandemic. Um, so now I'm providing for a, a family. I'm a type one diabetic too. So I, I can't sleep anymore. Um, and so in a very real way, your podcast, uh, is not just content. It's a very real thing that's extremely helpful. And so really thank you, Drew. You, I mean, I'm really touched to know how much the podcast can help. Cause I, it's like all that stuff going on. That's a lot for any person to deal with. And, and then to have to deal with all that and go through all that and also want to be at your best to cope with all of it and not be able to get the sleep on top of it. It's like knowing the show can provide something like that for somebody. It's really, it goes back to kind of like your, your intro of me. It's like, I never, I was hopeless when I couldn't sleep as a kid. It was like, well, I'm just screwed. And uh, this is, and that's kind of been my life philosophy for a long time and try to cope with that. And, uh, now thinking about being able to make this show and help people like you we had a, another friend that joe that we t- like introduced us it's like uh to be able to go back in time and tell the kid be like don't worry this is going to work out in a really weird way uh right, one day right. like uh it, it's yeah i'm touched to be able to to know i can help people out there and then J- joe what about you well, you know, I don't sleep anywhere near enough. I don't have insomnia, but I'm a notorious night owl. Um, I find that a lot of times I get some of my best work done very late at night. Like for this show, I'm often up late at night preparing for it. Um, so, you know, I get like maybe five, six hours of sleep. It seems like kind of not enough. So um, I don't sleep great, but I have no problem falling asleep because I'm usually just like exhausted by the time I get in bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, uh, you know, this is, you do a very interesting thing on your podcast. Obviously, you know, if you're, uh, if you're listening, uh, you know, to Sleep With Me right now, then you know exactly what he does. But if you're on Discography listening, well, why don't you describe it? <laughs> I don't know why I, I would be describing it to you. But you have, it's a fascinating approach if you could kind of lay it out for us. Well, I think we're going to do a meta approach tonight of it, but it, it's uh, basically uh, like imagine you you had a friend you could call the boar bro and be like, yeah, hey, just I'm just going to call you and you're going to talk to me and I'm not going to listen to you and and I want you to keep talking until I, you know I'm been asleep for a long time. You could talk to me about anything, but make sure it's just barely entertaining enough. I kind of want to listen. Uh, but don't make it super interesting where I want to stay awake. Uh, and also don't come over here or anything. I don't want to clean up after you. I don't want to, you know, have to, you know, worry about crumbs or locking the door. So it's a very service like that. Like, just like if you were camping and you're sitting around, somebody tells you a story. The problem is, I guess I learned a long time ago, my stories, I tend to go off topic. I tend to get mixed up. I te- as we'll talk about tonight, I tend to fixate on things unrelated to the assignments uh and, and uh, uh yeah it's like a so the show involves a lot of tangents some people find it incredibly irritating if they like something that gets the point or is straightforward and i think it kind of reflective in the choices of all the artists uh, you, you chose is like uh I, I was thinking about a lot it's like 
for some people fall asleep, they like listening to bugs flying around or birds right, chirping. Right. And that gets on my nerves. Right. For me, uh, anything peaceful or that's supposed to be peaceful might might drive me off a wall. But uh, so my show is more strange and uh, friendly, and it's more of a distraction than something meant to directly put you to sleep, just to keep you company while you fall asleep. Almost like there's a TV on in the other room, or like one of the right. albums on here is like like there's a rave going on down the street but it's right, just right. far enough away that it's not it's not annoying yeah. so along with you drew uh you know i would like to sign the meander pact and you know there's no no pressure to fall asleep here and no pressure to listen either uh but just have it going on uh in ways that uh mimic the intentions of uber creator brian eno uh in his idea of having music as wallpaper Sometimes his music was too interesting to just linger in the background. Hey, you know, what? I think we got a deck of uh, oblique strategies cards somewhere here. Yeah, well, then. <laughs> we actually <laughs> do have a real deck. I don't know where it went. Well, we, could, we could pull one later, maybe. Yeah, I would <laughs> like to do just that. So, uh, so we're all going to sign here on the dotted line on the for the Meander Pact uh, <clears throat> and launch into Sleep with Me discographies, most somniferous LPs. Uh, as a side note here. Uh, the word somniferous uh, is a great word. I love saying it. Uh, I, <clears throat> I want to point out that there's three words that have always, to me, been the most pleasing to say, and those would be puzzle, cube, <laughs> and jelly. Those are all pretty satisfying to hear you say those. Well, I mean, yeah. try saying them, though. <laughs> puzzle. That's not bad. Cube. I like that one less. Jelly. That one's fun. That one's you just can Yeah, I can't yeah. deny that one. Yeah. Makes me want to eat jelly, though. It does. Uh, Makes me want to eat a puzzle. Do you have any favorite words, Drew? Or? Whew, I, you know, uh, I, 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 can't, I, I always forget the words that are my favorite words, and then they come back up. But somniferous is a tough one for me because I have dyslexia, so it's like, but I guess I'm, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. So that may, this may be a first for me. And this that is, is definitely a word... When I picture it, I have no hope of spelling it. It's like S O, and then that, uh, yeah. <laughs> S O, etc. Discography is right now in the final stages of approval with the FDA as a cure for dyslexia. <laughs> so this is this is really going to help us quite a lot. I appreciate this. Um, all right, so so we have a bunch of these records we're going to kind of be chatting about, and um, we're not going to be following our normal format where we're like you know um, very uh, fastidiously going in chronological order and rating everything and going into the weeds. We're just going to talk about kind of how these records kind of make us feel and uh, how their relationship to sleep and you know sort of stuff like that. So we're and not they're all really good. We're taking off our record reviewer kind of hats today and doing something a little different. So just know that they're all excellent. Yeah, these are all we picked. These are all um, you know ones that we and they're they kind of represent a lot of different um, potential things. They, like some people are going to require different things to fall asleep to. So some, these yes, aren't all going to yes. aren't yeah, all going to work for everybody. So we kind of chose a smattering of some things. There is also one album on here that is not excellent, and <laughs> it's up to all of you to find out which one. That uh -oh. is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to start with um, Brian Eno, kind of the granddaddy of it all in terms of ambient music, um, and his album Discrete Music, which was um, kind of the birth of modern ambient music, really. Um, you know, it's, I think Eno was <clears throat> influenced in this by the composer Eric Satie, 
who kind of tried to invent ambient music like in the early part of the 20th century with his furniture music series. It was music that he composed to essentially be background music um, at, at like art installations for you to kind of not pay attention to. So kind of ahead of his time there, uh, old Eric Satie. Um, so uh, what you really want on this record is side one. That's the mm-hmm. side that's of interest. Do so you mm-hmm. want to? Uh, so side one is that's putting it mildly. Yeah, side one is like a, an experiment with tape loops, and um, it's very lovingly detailed on the back cover of the record how Eno did this technique. But he's basically trying to bring in the the way the tape was feed into a delay. He's kind of bringing in like some randomness. Um, and uh, some chants into um, these very soft kind of soundscapes. C H A N C E. Not Gregorian. Oh, yes, chants, right. Randomness and um, <clears throat> that kind of, yes. Um, one of the best, all time best back album covers. There's a very nerdy diagram of how he, creates, nerdy, how he yeah. creates the sound loop that's very Eno. Eno's one of my heroes, too. My, my, one of my all time Mount Rushmore musical heroes. So. Drew, what did this album do for you? It, you know, I, I think like we're, we're dealing with kind of the, the pinnacle to start out. And uh, True. I don't know, I, I always think about like what year, like my curiosity is like that somehow ambient music has gotten this terrible name for people that haven't listened to stuff like this with, with uh, cause there used to be this stuff called the Muzak, which uh, people would listen to right. in the elevator. And that's <clears throat> like, I think what the majority of maybe Americans under, I don't even know, uh, under, uh, over 40 or over 30 associate with ambient music. Even, the, even that gets a bad name. I don't even think that's bad. Yeah, I think ambient music sometimes gets looped in with like the sort of like CDs you'll find at like a crystal shop, you know? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. It yeah, gets yeah, looped, yeah. lumped in with that. Yeah. Uh, but this is different. This is a very yeah. different kind of thing. So this, is, it, this is high art. So uh, what what kind of uh, feelings uh, come up in listening to this or does it actually have a wallpapery uh, recessive type effect for you well i would say you, you know to, to already start to digress what there was one issue i had with it which is that as the first album on a playlist my song like like i may have over listened to to this album and so like i may have some 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 deep-seated resentments uh towards it because it would <laughs> it would like anytime it connected to bluetooth that it would jump to the beginning of the playlist and start playing it again and again and again and also i don't know if there's any parents out there that only have one music account that you share with a 15 year old girl but uh i do and uh, uh and so there will be days where my daughter was supposed to be at school or still in class and i would be trying to listen and all of a sudden it would switch uh to like tessa violet which is not bad to listen to but not going from brino brian you know to tessa violet uh is not a experience i'm looking for so that was the only challenge uh, I find, and, and I think the cover art is another good area to explore. This one is pretty relaxing on the front cover um, and pretty simple. Um, and it kind of has that feel of the next the next two ones after that. Um, we reduced it down to one Eno from the 70s, one from the 80s, one from the 90s. Because you could do, you know, the original iteration of this list, I believe, had eight Enos on it. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, talking about sharing a, an iTunes account or whatever, my uh, my three-year-old sometimes will lay in bed and ask the uh, Bluetooth speaker to play music for airports. <laughs> Shows what kind of kid I, I have raised so far. <laughs> he actually likes to listen to it to fall asleep to and will play it himself. <laughs> my <laughs> favorite story about your son is when he said, oh, uh, uh, in your car, Alexa, go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were in the parking lot of Trader Joe's. He wanted to, didn't want to hang out anymore. So he said, Alexa, drive home. It's a pragmatic decision. So now everybody's Alexas are, uh, <laughs> are answering questions and speaking. They're trying to find their way home. Yeah. This, uh, this record always, I, I discovered this had to have been 20 years old. So uh, it always struck me. Like if there was music playing at the Garden of Eden, this is what it would be. It's yeah. so pure, so beautiful. Um, to me, does not achieve any kind of a wallpapery sort of a, a thing because it's too gorgeous for that. He has wallpapery uh, records. In fact, one that's coming up. This one to me is just way too emotionally fraught. Uh, I, I really, this is, I love this record. I've probably heard the second side five times, mm -hmm. and the first side I've heard probably a thousand times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with you that it may be too rich to sleep to, like just like a dessert, like like it's like one of those desserts you can't eat the whole thing or something like that, but like to be fully asleep, but as a wind down or like looking out at something nice, uh, it's it's perfect like uh, yeah. for the evening. It's kind of like a musical Rube Goldberg machine. He's kind of yeah. created this contraption yeah. and then he stands back and lets it kind of do all the work um, while he kind of like gently kind of turns an EQ knob here or there. It's mostly the machines doing the work. He kind of just like, and he's kind of tried to do a lot of those experiments over the years. Side two is an attempt to do that with orchestral instruments and do it like, with them playing live and it's kind of a failed experiment it doesn't really have the mm. same effect I don't, I don't feel like side two doesn't really work for me the orchestral side it, it yeah it's uh it's look it wouldn't wake me up if you're just talking about you know sleeping being the prime objective here it's still going to achieve its goals but mainly out of a sense of uh, sort of aesthetic aimlessness uh, moving moving ahead about 10 years uh, uh, Brian Eno crossed paths with Harold Budd and Harold Budd is uh, a musician who really added some spice to the uh, the Eno broth. The pearl is... I wouldn't really call it spice. Yeah, it's, as soon as I said it, I thought, uh, <laughs> sort of Dave, like, you're way off he base. He like here. added yogurt to the... He <laughs> added yogurt. He added yogurt to the already existing yogurt. Um, so the pearl is my favorite Brian Eno record. It's the, my favorite record he's ever been involved with. Uh, and uh, this one entirely too fraught with emotion to be to act as wallpaper. This this is the most beautiful ambient record ever made, in my opinion. And I don't know if I should be sticking with the word ambient or ambient. <laughs> Just alternate. I got to commit at some point. I got to commit. I always go ambient. Ambient is how I is what I go with, and I say it a lot. <laughs> So. I feel like ambient would would uh, insinuate more mysterioso. But yes, yeah, so maybe this one's ambient and some of the other ones. Yeah, are yeah, ambient. yeah. Because side two is very mysterioso. Yeah. Uh, Drew, what's your? Uh, how did this make you feel? 
See, I have a lot of knots, uh, notes here. Not, I guess I've got knots. Um, yeah, I found it. I didn't get it. Didn't get a ten out of ten for sleeping for me. There's. Uh, let's see. Speaking of knots, were you a were you a Three's Company fan? When the Three's Company was on, I think it was on on reruns, and my dad like hated. Like I think I don't think he ever watched the show. And my dad's not the, a super conservative guy, but he had something about like a. I think he must have thought it was just orgies or something like that. Like he had no idea other than the basic conceit that a guy was living with two women, and so he would like he was he would lose his temper every time we tried to watch it. Um, Isn't that the genius of the show though? Is that it? Yeah. Uh, you know, it seems to have this you know very Dionysian hedonistic balls to the wall orgy thing, but it's one of the most innocent. Everything is sparked by a just a well, linguistic yeah. misunderstanding. Yeah, it's it it gives me anxiety for that reason. Yeah, it's like oh, if they could just knew what they were there. This is all just a misunderstanding. It's okay, everybody. But there's it's a real yeah. there's a lot of brutal Roper versus Furley debates, and I'm curious oh, where man. you stand as as far as Don Knotts goes. I mean, I think having like thinking back now, like looking back and thinking that you had John Ritter and Don Knotts together. Like I guess that's enough reason to rewatch it, just to think about those two working together. Uh, yeah, I can't believe. Uh, so I'd have to fall on that side to be like, man, what is it like now to watch those two playing off each other? Or is it? Is there too much energy? I, I can't remember. I know, I'm I'm Team Roper. Yeah. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I love the over the top facial antics of of Don Knotts, but I realize now as I've the, gotten the older, original more, the original cast of Three's Company is a little too understated for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the uh you know, there's there's a lot of uh you know, uh, there's there's a heck of a lot of subtext to dig through in the Roper uh, in the uh, Roper episodes. Um yeah, so for that reason I'm probably going to have to stick with the Roper stuff. All right. The Roper material. So um, <laughs> then moving ahead uh, 10 years to... Uh, well, I didn't really talk about the, the Pearl very much. What, I didn't get in there. It's I, only the greatest ambient record of all time. Well, it's, uh, and also this one's kind of special for me. I, I'm not exaggerating. This is probably my number one most listened to ever album. And, I'm, and it's almost always in the kind of wallpaper context. I've gone to sleep to this record a million times. I listen, I put it on, like on a, if I'm on a flight, I'll put it on to try to fall asleep. This one I actively use for sleep reasons um, a lot. And I listen to it like you know, thousands does of times. Does it make you probably. cry? No, I don't really. No. This one does. It has made me cry. It's kind of sort of wallpapery to me in a way that you guys don't really find it that way. Um, this one's to me, the, the, yeah, hmm. the, the, this is my favorite. Um, uh, it's, it's there's another one of these called the Plateau of Mirror. Mm -hmm. so it's almost like the Pearl Part Zero. I think they made the Plateau of Mirror before, um, but it's kind of more of the same. If you really like the Pearl, um, it's, it's terrific. It's uh, Plateau of Mirror is excellent. Yeah, it's, it's more <coughs> it's strongly more, recommended. I would say um, that the that the Pearl is sort of somehow more catchy. Like you, the melodies are kind of more recognizable, and Plateau of Mirror is maybe a little bit more wallpapery. So if you're looking for sleep purposes, you might want to give that one a spin. Also, Harold Budd is more front and center on Plateau of Mirror, and right. Brian Eno's not messing around with the right. atmospherics quite as much. Right. So the next one we're going to talk about is another Brian Eno album. This is the third one, and then we're going to be done with Mr. Eno and thank him for his contributions. <laughs> um, and this is the album Neroli. Now, this is an album that is definitely not going to disturb your sleep. This is definitely not going to jar you awake. Um, this one seems like maybe the most sleep-inducing mm -hmm. uh, record on the list. 
Um, uh, yeah, this is a yeah, definitely. The, the, the subtitle is called Thinking Music, and this is kind of a question for you, Drew. That, that seems to be an apt name for it. It does seem to kind of inspire sort of like deep thought. Do you think the art of falling asleep involves thinking or not thinking? Or like, could you see this causing people to think too much to fall asleep? I don't know. I found it when I was thinking about like what makes something perfect to fall asleep to and stay asleep to. The fact that this, this is no tracks it's continuous and it did feel just like background noise. It's almost like the music is thinking for you, but it would be good music if you're sitting around thinking during the day, but it's like the Pearl might be better if you're like awake at three in the morning and you're sitting out and you're trying to figure something out where this might be good for light thinking or, you know, thinking about someone you have a crush on or something else that's going to help you fall asleep instead of like thinking about like, it's like, no, thinking about spreadsheets probably some other do you, i see i find myself when i'm falling asleep i'm always kind of thinking about something you know like I'll, so i that that's why maybe this works well for me like i'll start mm. i don't i don't try to like shut off my brain and stop thinking i'll start thinking about some whatever it is i'm thinking about at that moment and i always before i know it i'm out so this true what are the circumstances for you going to sleep are you listening to music are you what what's sort of a what's the foundation for you so for me it's a wind down routine so a lot of times i was listening and most of the time i don't listen to music but i was trying it out like as part of a wind down i'll I'll read some fiction or something uh so and then it's kind of like uh, after that it's like a roll of the dice like it's like my thinking is like it's like awakening a monster so for me it's like anything i could do to like try to think about something that I'm not involved in or that is not real. Uh, it's like, uh, is, is the only way I have a hope of getting asleep. As soon as my brain starts to activate, it's like, Oh my God, what are we going to do about that? And I'm like, I don't even, wasn't even worried about, Oh, well, yeah, you should be worried about it. Uh, and I just go right down that rabbit hole. So it's like, I, I try to slip into sleep. Like it's like, uh, I'll be reading and then it's like, I'll, I'll start to feel like I'm nodding off and it's like, okay, I'm just going to close the book and I'm just going to try to get go out uh, and get in there before my, before the rest of me realizes it. Now, do you ever get into a thing where uh, you you start to become self-conscious about being a sleep expert? So uh, you're second guessing your ability to get to sleep because of your your uh, your high standing in the sleeping community. No, most scientists, sleep scientists, think I'm a joke for the most part. So, so like I don't, I don't think I have more of a high. Oh, are they like? uh, They're split on like the usefulness of the podcast, or they're like, "Well, that's just this weird thing." I mean, some people are they aggressive towards you? No, 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 no. I think most people, but it, but it's like they're just like, "Oh, that's strange." Like people that don't listen to the podcast uh, mostly are like, "Oh, that's interesting." I mean, the same thing if like you were like, I, I don't think it's that different, even though I make it. It's like. Oh well, I wear crystals and I don't get colds. Like uh, you'd be like, okay. Like if someone said that to me, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's 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 great. Like it's the same thing. I've listened to this weird guy tell tell me stories, put me to sleep. You're like, oh, okay, moving on. Anyway, uh, uh, so so it's it's more of like that. Like it's uh, trivial to an outside person because they haven't been impacted by it. Right. But yeah, for me, it's like it keeps the show relatable. Like every night that I can't sleep or I wake up early or whatever it is, I'm like, okay, well, at least I can still make this podcast. So the next one is Stars of the Lid. Right. So yeah, Stars of the Lid. So, you know, I find that some ambient records 
kind of have like the effect of sculpture where it's kind of like time sort of stops. Like this is kind of one of those records. So it's kind of like long. And the record is, and their refinement of the decline. Yeah, they have a few. With 2007. They have a few, but this one I think is the most appropriate for this show, for sleeping. Um, there's a complete absence of any kind of like beat and it makes time feel like it's passing like very slowly. It's all like very consonant. There's not really any harmonic tension in anything. It's these sort of like glacier-like orchestral samples that are very gently treated and kind of just like swell on you like very slowly. That's a perfect Very kind of enveloping. Um, and it's uh, it just kind of gives me the feeling of like it seems somehow like you can reach out and touch it like it's sort of three-dimensional to me. Moving that slowly. It feels like sound gusts to me, like right. wind gusts of, of music. <clears throat> um, how, how did you, uh, how did this one roll over you? You know, I kind of put it down for, for me, it was like, like good walking music too. I guess I'm always like, okay, can I sleep to this probably? Or can I slowly relax to it? But I was also like, huh, how else, how else could I use this? And it's like, uh, it's like, uh, oh, this would be good for walking in space, walking in fields. I guess it would be more mm. music walking in interesting places. And then, um, I don't know if you noticed this, but it's like, I don't know if it's ambient music that gives them the freedom. Like, there's so, so many, uh, there's a lot of good song titles in here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think, that, like, ambient music has its, like, Trippy's Demise. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, like, uh, And then the art, I think, kind of goes along with that enveloping feel. It's kind of like a bar graph uh it's got a nice calming orange behind it, but it's not a, a perfectly sculptured bar graph. Uh, maybe it's construction paper, I don't know, a little circle. So I, I do find the art not overly demanding. And maybe that's right. another part of the music too, where it's not asking too much of you as a listener. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, sometimes uh, titling your music to reflect the the idea that it's going to put you to bed soon is a good idea. Like another ballad for heavy lids, for example. You certainly know what you're about to tune into. But uh, December hunting for vegetarian fuckface doesn't really set up exactly what you're going to hear. Yeah, you know, um, the, the, the thing about this record, and some of these, a lot of these actually, is um, some records sound really good at low volumes. Where they're kind of mm. just peeking through the yeah. the noise in the background. I think you know, like uh, that's kind of what Eno, how Eno invented ambient music. You know, there's the whole story of he was in a hospital, he'd been in a car wreck. Someone put on a record for him and then left the room. He couldn't really get up to raise the volume, like like, like bad friends do. Right, right. So the record was on very low volume and it was blending in with rain outside, and it was the mix of all of that that seemed very like um, hypnotic to him. And um, I think if you're going to sleep to this record, I think at like low low volume, it sounds really nice. If you have it just kind of faintly creeping in there. Um, it's, and it's pretty emotional, too. Yeah. I, f I find it to be a pretty emotional experience hearing this and very long, too. It's a double album, and each of the albums leans toward the long side. Yeah, and the tracks are very long and move <clears throat> very, very slowly. So time is kind of your friend with this record. It's, you know, hmm. they, 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 they really do slow down time. And, and they have some other excellent records, too. They do. This is the last one they released. Yes, right. It was, what, 15, uh, 15 years ago now? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, so the next one I'm actually very excited to talk about for very digressive purposes. Uh, a gentleman named Ernest Hood released a record in 1975 called Neighborhoods. And <clears throat> what you're basically hearing here 
is uh, improvised music over uh, a slew of field recordings of kids playing in the neighborhood locally. Um, and they're on their bikes and riding around, getting candy from the local candy store. And it is uh, unbelievably uh, meditative. It is incredible for sleep. It's it's, as far as the kind of thing that would put me to sleep because it inspires, uh, you know, really, really great uh, unspooling uh, mind fantasias about when I was a kid riding around uh, on a bike. Uh, Drew, did you have the kind of neighborhood where you did that? I did, and go in the woods, like uh, ride a bike, go in the woods. Where did you grow up? I grew up in upstate New York, or central New York, they call it, if you live in New York, uh, Syracuse. Mm, I went oh, to, nice. I, uh, Yeah, I went to SU. Oh, cool. Yeah, mm, yeah. Nice. So, uh, yeah, riding bikes and uh, getting lost. This this was one of my favorite discoveries on, on this list. It, it was, this definitely, in the fact that it was made in the 70s, it's it's it makes it more even more impressive to me because it's like this is the kind of stuff people are trying to do with podcasts now it's like take field recordings and 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 repurpose them or you know make them cool and this was just i don't know for me like there was almost too much of like my story brain acts of activates when there's like a mix of uh i can see that music and and and, and noise but yeah. it was perfect for for me for lying in bed uh it, and it it's just amazing listen <laughs> like uh, uh like add all this stuff uh, there's a lot of amazing listens but this was like one I'm, I'm it's like, a it's man. a special record it really is there's a lot in this one for me so the Ernest hood who made this was a jazz guitarist and he contracted polio and lost the use of his one of his hands so he could no longer play guitar but he could play the zither which is open strings mm-hmm. so that's the main instrument on this it's his zither and um and a synthesizer i always thought it was zither is it zither oh, zither mm. i mean i'm not challenging you on this if anyone knows how to say oh, it i always said zither i could be wrong i'm uh, con- drew you guys I'm having con- a zither duel uh, a yeah. duel of z- 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 <laughs> with the, the scissors the thing is is uh there's one episode where i said a word Incorrectly, what word was it? Oh, it was out. It was outlier. So at the beginning of the episode, I said outlier, and then somehow during the episode, Joe notified me that it was how it was actually pronounced, and so I fixed it, and of course said it again during the episode. But correctly, correctly. Yeah. so I had several of my friends that I grew up with uh, texting me just about the moment, <laughs> and so now I'm so hypersensitive about making sure that uh making sure that i pronounce words right (laughs) (laughs) exactly so anyway he uses a zither zither however you you prefer yeah and also a a super rare synthesizer called the roland sh3a which i have actually never even seen one in person i'm I'm a pretty big synthesizer enthusiast but um, I used to own a similar one, the SH-1000, uh, which was kind of the predecessor to this one. So these sounds, are, these kind of synth sounds are also really uh, familiar to me. Really beautiful, um, the way he uses it. But he was, this record's way ahead of its time. And it's, it's really beautiful. It's, um, to me, it's more of a daytime album. I could, like, I could take a nap to this album. Yeah. Like, Maybe like reading like a neighbor, like Stephen King. I don't know if you ever oh, read yeah. Stephen King, but he always spends a lot of time in neighborhoods. And I wonder too if the, like the analog process, makes it 
more listenable to the ambient and the and the music together versus it being so much easier in digital that maybe there's a cleanness i don't know because it it, it is like a it is less intrusive where some of the newer stuff kind of feels like more intrusive or, or more obvious right. where this feels more organic this has a certain sprawl to it that that to me is very unassuming you know ernest Hood was in his 50s when he made this so he'd kind of already had a whole career, and he's you know kind of invents this whole style of making music in his fifties. Very inspiring. Yeah. What did you guys get when the ice cream man came? Um, I would usually get the strawberry thing. The, the strawberry. strawberry shortcake with the crumbs yeah, on the outside. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah, my, yeah. That was Drew, my what was your choice. jam? You know, I would be. I would do the what is it, the chocolate one with the crunches or that rainbow Nestle? rocket thing. Nut, Nutter butter. That's like a, a Nestle. It was like the same. It was. I think they called it a chocolate eclair, even though it's nothing like oh, it. So man, it was like that a, stuff was good. Yeah. All right. So the next one is kind of a an ambient classic. I think you would say. Yeah. Um, it is by Gas, who's a German composer, um, and it's called Pop. Uh, Sorry, called, I sniffled. It's called Pop. <laughs> it's, <laughs> <laughs> this shows up on a lot of like greatest ambient albums ever kind of lists, um, and uh, this album to me is the equivalent of like a white noise machine. You have it on, and it's, it has this sort of very gentle kind of hiss to the top of it. And um, this is another one where it's kind of really good at low volume. Um, I've used this to sleep to many times. I think low volume thing for me was the same thing. That this is what I was thinking of when it's like, oh, this is like a rave that's like two or three miles away, and you could just hear it, and you could lie in bed, and 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 enjoy it from afar, like just enough thumping to comfort you. Uh, and the only thing I was like, oh, maybe if you're sleeping to it, you want to loop one song. Yeah. Like pick your favorite. That was the only other thing because of the changes, the transitions. Yeah, that's kind of a good point. That would be a good way to do it. Just put it on repeat. Mm -hmm. Because they're all like long too, and the pieces are all long. Right. It kind of just sounds like um, a hissing radiator. Yeah, there's also kind of a babbling stream kind of thing to there it. There is. It sounds like there's a little bit of like a uh, kind of bubbling going on <laughs> with, with the white noise. So it kind of has like a little like babbling brush. You know what it, it really reminds me of? When I was, um, this was maybe uh, around when I was 18, <clears throat> I would have this mental image when I would listen to the Talking Head song Drugs, which is on. Fear of Music, uh, one of my favorite songs by them with a very heavy Brian Eno sonic imprint, um, especially in the, in the chorus part. So for whatever reason, I cannot tell you why, uh, during the, the chorus of that song, I would always think of a group of women out in the forest and water is up to their ankles and they're taking the water and scooping it up in their hands and washing the trunks of the trees with it uh, in the in the woods. That's so a, that's this very specific. I it's very yeah. specific. I can't tell you why that <laughs> is, but this record reminds me of that. It is. It very much feels like you're a, you're in a forest. Yeah, this is one of the sleepiest ones on the list to me. I thought that this one was. I, I, this one I have personal experience with. Um, this has kind of been a longtime favorite. Nice, simple titles, not demanding. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Very minimalist. It's, an, it's a, definitely a minimalist uh, approach to ambient music. So uh, Bibio, Phantom Brickworks, is the next thing on the list. Now, there are a bunch of very good Bibio albums. Um, that he's are, amazing. He's kind of a composer, singer, songwriter kind of guy. Um, 
I see him more as a DJ. Yeah, that too. He's he's definitely has a because of has a foot in that world. But uh, you know, very influenced by like Boards of Canada and synth mm-hmm. music like that. But this record is this kind of pure ambient album. Um, it's all instrumental. It has a very like lonely kind of quality to it, um, but at the same time is very beautiful. Um, I you know I kind of like sort of link loneliness and beauty in in some ways. It's like this. It's like this. Uh, this record kind of feels like a weighted blanket or something. Just you know those things. That, like, yeah. You know, yeah. You can, it's, it has a warm kind of fuzzy thing to it. There's a word um, I discovered. Drew, Drew is like a weighted blanket too. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a wet blanket. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, there's a word. Um, there, there, the phenomenon of uh, you know a nostalgia for something that never happened, right? So there's a word to describe that. Anamoya. So anamoya oh, wow. is the word for like. That's you're, interesting. How do you spell it? It's uh, A-N-E-M-O-I-A. And I think this record uh, really kind of captures that feeling where it's like, you know, you kind of feel like you miss this sort of alternate universe that you don't really live in. I think the English language really needs to send out a press release about this word. It's a fine word. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This, uh, I love Bibio. And I've been listening to Bibio since, um, what's the uh, early record? Uh, Ambivalence Avenue. Mm-hmm, yeah. What a great, great album that is. Uh, Phantom Brickworks really took me by surprise because I thought it was going to be just a, a little diversion in his career. And it wound up being sort of when you dip your toe into the water of a new thing and you turn out to be really good at it. He's excellent at this kind of stuff. What do you think of this record, Drew? I thought this was one of the most sleepy ones since uh, I, I kept. I think I wrote eight out of ten. Then I put nine out of ten. Then I put ten out of ten. <laughs> uh, very chill. I think Phantom Brick works too. Uh, I don't know what all good top means, but I put that all good top double exclamation point. <laughs> then it has something written here that may say non Eno, New Eve, or now Eno. Uh, and I like the simplistic art. He also prodigious user of all caps. Uh, I don't know if that's good for sleeping, but uh, yeah, I think this in long songs too. Yeah, yeah, very long. By the way, your notes are just kind of a masterpiece of. I'm gonna uh, go with now, now Eno. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, kind of brilliant. Um, All three of those could be could work though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, never has just reading notes like that been so. you know, artistically satisfying. <laughs> um, so, you know, definitely a, a really good uh, and and uh, not filled with any kind of weird bald face surprises. So the next one up is a really weird one. Uh, Beaver and Kraus, Gandarva. So this is a delightfully strange recording from 1971. Uh, Paul Beaver is kind of like a Forrest Gump kind of figure in electronic music. He had one of the first Moog synthesizers. Um, he made a record with Hal Blaine called Psychedelic Percussion that is just Hal Blaine, session drummer extraordinaire who played on all the great 60s Phil Spector and Brian Wilson records. It's Hal Blaine just kind of playing some drum beats while our friend Paul Beaver here makes crazy Moog sound effects. It's a really strange <laughs> record. It sounds pretty much exactly how you'd expect it to sound. You know, there was also um, at the Monterey Pop Festival there was a booth there, like a little pavilion uh, that showcased the Moog synthesizer. This is one of those, the first Moog with the, that looks like a telephone switchboard, big giant patch machine. And some people Um, could definitely say that this is uh, like a seminal, almost uh, in, 
almost like an instructional, like this is what this instrument is capable of doing kind of thing. Yeah, a lot, of, I, a lot of those I, early I see it as design. a musical fantasia where it's, uh, you know, there's so many different styles uh, that are uh, that are utilized in this record. It's it's fun. You could definitely f- argue that it's uh, not something you would fall asleep to, but I will say the first song is definitely hysterically unsleepworthy. Yeah, there's like a boogie bl- <laughs> boogie blues kind of thing. Uh, yeah. You got to skip that one. You got to skip that one. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> not going in the playlist. There's also all the stuff they did at Grace Cathedral um, that really takes advantage of that big reverb space. So Side they, two. Yeah, they record a lot of it in, um, in a big, huge cathedral in San Francisco, and it's really all about and the sound. And they recorded of, it live. Yeah, the, the sound of that space is really lush and gorgeous. Um, so that 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 side is pretty sleepy to me too. All the, all the stuff in the cathedral. The farther this album goes, uh, the more the more sleepy it gets. And then by the time you're toward the end of the record, and what I mean by that is the last four songs or so, you're really just like it's. It feels like this weightlessness has taken over, uh, kind of akin to one of the records that didn't make it on the list because you could put every single one of his records on uh, Eno's Apollo. Mm. Uh, some of this stuff feels like that short film for David toward the end and good places, few others, super, super good stuff. Um, and also as far as recording in churches being a thing, uh, I would say this is way up there <laughs> and uh, the cowboy junkies, cannot hold a candle to this record if you're asking me which you didn't but i'm gonna of course tell you anyway i i also have to i think salute well my note says salad to the vanishing bond eagle but that was one of my favorite songs <laughs> salute to the vanishing bald eagle I, it just uh i've also listened to that one like 20 25 times but this had this fun to it that sometimes is also missing mm-hmm. not from this list but on other ambient music that and again that like I think takes away from bedtime or relaxing is like when it's taken too taking itself too seriously or not letting go or not going for it uh and or holding back in some way it, it, it gets on my nerves but this was definitely uh loose now do in you a good way. do you like super new agey type of stuff or not minded or what's your stance on all that stuff like uh I don't know I, I guess I haven't listened to a lot of new age music ex, uh unless I'm around somebody that's into it. And then it's always in a contextual manner. Like it's like, oh, I'm waiting to get a massage and it's playing or you're you're visiting someone's house that's into it. And those probably, I would, it would make it, it would be more about my lack of control of the music than the music itself. It's like, no, 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 I can't listen to this. This is making me crazy. But it's more because I feel like I need to, to have control of all things in my life. So it's like, oh, I don't want to listen to this right now. It's just like when you're in a car with somebody or if somebody's like, you got to listen to this. Uh, we, we got a twelve-hour ride. I got a twelve-hour playlist. You're like, oh my god. Kill me, what kill are me, what? So what are the rules with regard to music in a in a car? Is it really, is it the person driving, uh, or is it the person who um, whose car it is who should have control of the music? Oof. I think the person driving. I mean, I, I guess I wonder what good people. I guess I'd put it out to like, what are how do good people behave? I don't consider myself a good person. <laughs> so for me, if I'm in the car, uh, I, I want to be in control at all times of what's playing. But I think now that's I think a, but that's driving, impossible. Your daughter, you would allow your daughter to put on her her music, right? Yeah. Or sometimes I think I wonder when you know. I feel like people like. Uh, uh, 
Luddites may be judgmental, but I'm totally fine <laughs> on a road trip with everybody listening to own, like put your earbuds in like because yeah. uh, I might want to listen to a podcast. I might have to listen to something for work. It's like but I think there is a communal driving thing and it's probably a practice. This is probably what these good optimistic people do. They say, oh, <laughs> let me let me hear what you have. to. Oh, you 12 hour playlist. I can't wait. <laughs> so what what is the longest trip you've ever taken with somebody else where you had to negotiate like that? Well, I my I had this summer I had to relocate my dad's car from Florida to I don't know if we went to New Jersey or New York with my dad in the car. And instead of listening to music, he just, he literally talked for the entire, like, like I was like, how, like, like it was like, a, he's just at that age in his life where he's looking back. So I must've heard every story. Uh, and, and when I got, we got there, I was like, I think you talked the entire trip. Like how uh, long is that? Entire, so this is maybe like with 15 hours. It, I think it's, it takes like, yeah, 15 to 20 hours. Uh, okay. So that that's like the longest one. Is this have you ever had a have you ever had a long distance trip with your dad? Yeah, we've had ones before, but this one I was like, what I was like, uh, what am I going to listen to, or what, how are we going to pass the time? And it was like, oh, not a problem. Uh, this is like an opportunity. I'm like, oh, one day my daughter was with me. I'm like, oh, one day you'll be going through this too. And uh, she was much more. Uh, she put her earbuds in a lot of the time. Uh, so oh, so it wasn't just the two of you. Yeah, no, it's the three of us. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, so I, you know, I remember when when I moved out here, uh, I came out with my. It was just my dad and I, and we, you know, packed up my Toyota Camry with whatever fit in it. And uh, this is two thousand eight. <clears throat> so uh, my dad, months away from the trip, was you know with the you know rectangular legal pad, the yellow legal pad pages, was creating this list of what everything, how everything was going to be down to the second. Um, and I remember it was like driving me a little bit nuts because, you know, my only experiences on the road were melting right into the moment, Kerouac style, you know, uh, bring a tape recorder around with me, tape things that were happening. Uh, it was a whole thing. And so this was the an the antithesis of that. And I remember a guy in recovery, his name's Harry, he gave me the greatest piece of advice I needed. I needed right at that moment to hear it, and I did, which is make it all about your dad. And mm. I did, and there was, uh, we had one stupid, silly, quick argument. Otherwise, it went smashingly. We just did whatever the heck he wanted to do. Okay, so uh, George Harrison, All Things Must Pass. This is the record that I was referring to when I was talking about uh, the bad record and the now, bunch. No, no, you're not talking about all things must pass proper. No, sir. This is a very specific yeah. part. They, they, that's my first question is why disc three? <laughs> uh, yeah. Here's why. Okay, so the third record is uh, there is a corollary between record three and Sleep With Me, the show Sleep With Me. First of all, my uh, this album was introduced to me by, by Joe, by my co-host. I had never heard it before. I'm a huge Beatle fan, always have been. Uh, all Things Must Pass, for whatever reason, except for My Sweet Lord, slipped under my radar. Um, when Joe introduced it to me, it, it blew my mind. It replaced at the top of the list John Lennon Plastic Ono Band for being the greatest uh, Beatles solo record for me. H however, 
one of the great things about it is it is an imperfect masterpiece. Record number three is um, some of the most aimless jamming I've ever heard. It's it's almost like he just did this in order for the piece to have a giganticness about it, and that was the only reason. But I consider it, um, you know, these are some of the greatest players of all time. This is George Harrison with the band that became Derek and the Dominoes, um, Eric Clapton and a bunch of other incredible players, just jamming totally aimlessly. So they're just sort of um, an embarrassment of riches that overspills on this. It goes nowhere, but it's perfect. This is the sort of if you want to bore yourself to sleep, you put this on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's this is the way to do it if you want to. I don't really consider um, this to be part of All Things Must Pass. It technically comes with right. it when you buy the album, but All Things Must Pass is really a double album. It with, is with this kind of as a throw-in. I think George even said that this was kind of just a throw-in for the fans. Um, um, yeah, nothing happens in it. Um, it's it's a very weird kind of jam. That you know, there's <laughs> there's the the I just love the fact that the this big epic giant album um, ends with a kind of Chuck Berry <laughs> kind of style jam right. called "Thanks for the Pepperoni." <laughs> it's really very not not epic way to um, to to end the, your album. Um, True. Do you think I was being purposely contentious by adding this to the list? I, well, I don't even know if I had the right. I was like, who are you calling? This is my notes. Who <laughs> you calling Apple Scruffs? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, the actual album proper is. Uh, the album proper is intensely good. We're not talking about the record itself. Um, now, I can never get away record. with, how do you guys listen to music um, whilst sleeping? So um, I, I could never get away with actually playing I don't music. Anymore. Right, right, being married. Yeah. But I do have one of those little like headband devices. It's like kind of a headband with, with little earbuds in it. And um, so you can kind of lay down with them. Like if, if I try to put earbuds in and lay down, it just hurts my ear. But with the headband thing on, I can kind of lay there and sleep and like listen to music, which I did for a lot of this uh, episode. I listened you, to a lot of these whilst trying to sleep. Drew, is it a common thing for you to listen to music uh, at bedtime? I mean, now it is. I listen on a speaker, but I'm single, so I have an advantage. I've tried. Stop rubbing head, it in, man. The, the headbands. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but I, I also find, like, even on planes when I'm trying to sleep and listen to stuff, like, either the earbuds or even headphones, like, at some point, it becomes pain, painful or irritating yeah. or s sweat inducing. Um, and then, yeah, it's a tough w with somebody else. You, like, I don't know. I have listeners that use the headbands that put, put their phone on their speaker and stick it under their pillow. Uh, but I, I think uh, putting a speaker and putting it on a sleep timer is usually the best bet for me. Cause then I don't want it to be, like, if I, I'm worried about, listening to the music while I'm sleeping and it waking me up because I'm trying to process something or be like, oh, what did they just do there? Right, right. And then uh, now I got to wake up and figure it out. The dynamics of this record remind me of driving through Kansas. Uh, there's, uh, there's not much dynamics topographically as far as driving through Kansas, um, you know, except for the fact that your windshield becomes something of a, 
a bug graveyard. This is kind of one of those ones where it's sort of a curse being a musician because I feel like listening to it, all I can think of is all oh, these guys are just goofing around. They don't even like, yeah. you know, it's, um, I think uh, the, the, the illusion of it, <laughs> like I, I feel like I can, you know, see them like looking at the clock thinking like, when's this going to be over? Sure. It's kind of, it's kind of half-hearted. Um, interesting pick, but um but it yeah. is. It is something to, kind something of like, to kick around yeah. a bit. <laughs> um, next up is uh, one of my favorites on this entire list, which is Aphex Twin, Ambient Works Volume 2, um, which I think really works as a come-down album. There's kind of a whole genre of ambient music from like the 90s and beyond that seems to be dedicated to helping like clubbers come off their MDMA high or something. This seems like a classic of that genre of the come down. It album. really has aged well. Yeah, it's a stunning album, and I, I this is another one that I've got uh, that I have used to go to sleep to uh, many many times. Um, Drew, when you let this one wash over you, how did it feel on your skin? So this one was one of the better experiences because I was listening to it in a hotel, overlooking like I had a hotel room. And it had like a decent view, but it was raining and it was over this like convention. Where, where was this? I think this was in Orlando, but not okay. in the um like near the Orlando Convention Center. So it was like I was able to like just lie down and stare out the window and and look at the tourist. I don't know, there was like all the chain rest it's a street with like full of chain restaurants, just the right amount of traffic, just the right amount of hotels, and it fit perfectly with that. Like pitch dark room so you could see out the mm-hmm. window. Uh, and I was literally just chilling listening to this. Uh. It's very long. It's three hours long, but that seems to be a strength of it, not a drawback. It you really can, is. You, you, re- you can really kind of, it feels like kind of it's the first time I'm listening to it every time, sort of. Um, yeah, you get lost in it. Yeah, you, you get lost of where where you were. Where yeah. This record yeah. to me is like the sound of being awake at four a.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. What it must be like to make this music. I mean, the lonely late nights. I got to imagine there's a lot of those involved in this. He supposedly was inspired by um, trying to capture the feeling of lucid dreams um, when he was making it. So this record is attached to the concept of sleep, um, like, you know, as it was being created. I think that's kind of thing he was going for. Um, You know, there are parts of it that are really kind of warm and like blankety. There are parts that are very cold and kind of distant. So there's a bunch of different flavors of that kind of, you know, that kind of late night 4 a.m. come down sort of feeling. Um, but yeah, I, I, this is one I highly recommend. I think you can... It's very, very soothing. Like on a molecular level, this is a very soothing record I found. Yeah, yeah. Another one that's, you know, always on the best ambient album ever lists, you know, kind of a classic of the genre. Um, Drew, out of curiosity here, so you're a guy <clears throat> who's very famous for wanting to, to be asleep as soon as is humanly possible. Now, what about back in the day when it was all about staying up as long as possible? What is the longest that you've ever been awake uh, before before crashing? I've, I don't even want to think about it. But I was also well known for sleeping for days at a time, or uh, like a, I was like a like because I lived in New York in New York City for a while, so I would get up normally at like four in the after. I would be like most people waking up at four in the afternoon. And then try, and then at some point trying to readjust my schedule to try to live a normal life, and there's just hope. Like once you get on a four p.m. between two and four p.m. wake up, you're kind of uh, the normal world is uh, tough to access. Yeah. Yes, I, I I remember the the most psycho Aldous Huxley that I ever was with regard to to sleep. Uh, in 1994, I submitted a script. Uh, 
submitted a script in for <clears throat> to try to uh, get a grant, and somehow my my computer file got erased, uh, and I had to retype from scratch, and I stayed awake for three entire nights. Uh, it's not something I ever did before or since, and there were um, I remember auditory hallucinations. There were, there was nothing visual, but definitely. <clears throat> hearing voices before I wind up going to sleep. I've had the experience, like, I've, I, I haven't ever done the thing of staying up, like, for days at a time, but I've been, like, on tours before where it's, like, you know, you start to get to sleep, like, you know, it's, like, after the show, you hang around for a while, you're going to sleep really, as the sun's coming up, and then, like, you know, ride on the bus overnight to the next city, you wake up, you know, and it's, like, getting dark already. <laughs> it's really, oh, yeah. that's a, especially, like, you know, uh, touring in like Europe or something, you're up in like like Scandinavia or something. The wrong time of year, it's like you like kind of can go days at a time without seeing sunlight. If you do that, um, yeah, I don't I don't recommend. That. <laughs> it's very <laughs> off putting. <clears throat> so this next guy, Bill Evans, uh, is uh, a pianist who most people would be, uh, even though the world of jazz sniffs rarefied air. Uh, this is a, a gentleman who a lot of people would have had exposure to having listened to Miles Davis's Kind of Blue. He is the pianist on those, uh, on that, those historic sessions. And Moonbeams is a record that he did after bassist Scott LaFaro passed away. Moonbeams is an, is an amazing step back into the fray. Uh, Joe chose this one. Uh, it calls to mind my own career in playing piano, which is uh, begins and ends with a song that my mother had in uh, in a music book called Piccolo Pete, and uh, it, it goes, um, <clears throat> Piccolo Pete walks down the street, playing his piccolo, plays every tune he knows, tra la la, tra la la, tra la la la. Thanks. But Very nice. That's, you had some singing in. I've, yeah, yeah, had to. I mean, my mom's going to be sobbing hysterically just listening to that. She knows. <laughs> Drew, what, uh, did, what was your take on Bill Evans' Moonbeams? And are, are you uh, much of a jazz aficionado? And is this too much in the supper club kind of feel? Or do you think you could sleep to this? I, I think I could. So, I, like, uh, I think this is, again, good with the subgenres. I think uh, for me... My hand, if I could make my heart handwriting, wind down and chill like a drink. This is like a drink before bed, a uh, <laughs> pillow softener, a hot uh, to unwind, to kiss. Uh, I don't know. I think this one and a, another one we're going to talk about, I think, again, would benefit from the lower volume. Mm-hmm. But I think this Agreed. is something I could definitely sleep to. Maybe this is like a like a yeah like a pre-sleep kind of thing. You put it on and then you know as you're yeah. kind of winding down and then. Put another one on when you're actually going to go to sleep. This is Joe. This is a great one for the list. Yeah, uh, this well, is a sophisticated, you know, uh, very sophisticated uh, twist on the uh, on the insomnia extreme come true. Well, you know, Bill Evans is one of my favorite musicians who ever lived, um, and it's, I can't even imagine what kind of like concentration and focus it would require to play the way Bill Evans plays. Because his magic is really in his all his voicings. So like every note he plays, it's kind of it's he has this very innovative style of voicing. It's basically like choosing which notes you're going to play in which order, you know, um, what chord, what notes from a chord to include, and things like that. Um, and he has so he has this immaculate sense of voicing that also seems kind of off the cuff. Like he's doing it as he's he's, he's like making these calculations. <laughs> 
really super quickly. It seems almost impossible. He is to, one yeah. sad guy. Yeah, I mean, and so can, first of all, you can see it in his face. Right. You don't need to even listen to his music. His face, every picture I've ever seen from every phase of his life, from when he's unkempt and bearded to when he's you know a, a supper club uh, uh, you know regular and he's you know got the hair slicked back yeah. and everything. He's never smiling. Yeah, uh, you know, looks like a guy who's haunted by a lot of demons. He's a serious cat. Um, he's 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 kind of like a like a chess grandmaster or something. Mm-hmm. You know, he just sees mm-hmm. he sees the board in a different way than than anybody else really. Um, so yeah, this album, you know, this is kind of like a, a like a deep in thought kind of record for me. Like mm-hmm. it kind of like really gets me to kind of like pay attention to it. Um, there's there's just so much he brings so much feeling out of all those voices and, and you had to also mention especially in this context um, his touch so he kind of has a kind of cascading waterfall sort of he does. touch on the piano he just gets a different tone out of it I think it's because the way you know when he's when he's spelling out a chord it's the way he weights his hands you know it's like so it's like the right hand maybe he's playing a little bit louder than the left and maybe his middle finger is a little louder than the thumb he just has such control over all that that he can kind of make that have that incredible sensitive touch. So, um, one of my favorite records ever. My favorite Bill Evans record. It's it's he's it's mostly ballads, um, and it's uh, yeah. I highly highly recommend this one. Uh, the next one is uh, a compilation called Mono No Aware. We know the concept of mono no aware itself, right? What that means. It's also it's kind of like the word anamoya. The pathos of things. Yeah. So what what that really means is it's kind of like the uh, this is kind of an, this is interesting. It's the constant awareness that things are impermanent, right? So mm. it's like, and then the phenomenon itself is. You mean the horror of that? Yeah, well, yeah. It's just it's sort of more like a gentle sadness that you kind of feel when you know that you're not going to experience that thing again. The kind of thing that keeps you up at night and and makes you turn towards and, uh, and <laughs> scoots. And then you also know, <laughs> and you also know that that feeling itself is also going to pass. <laughs> so that's kind of a it's kind of a short term and a long term uh, kind of general general kind of sadness. Um, and I think this record kind of encapsulates that pretty well. There's the one piece, the Eve Tumor piece. Um, Limerence. Um, it's it's that has a snippets of a conversation that seemed like. There's something about it that seems like it's a relationship that has ended. This one, uh, you know, it makes me think of mixtapes. Uh, you know, as a medium that's coming back, the the vinyl record is uh, Joe Kennedy and I were very, very big fans. Um, and I hope compact discs never make a comeback. <laughs> but that thing of the mixtape... Uh, Drew, I'm not sure how far into this you got, but I would go batshit crazy. I'm, I'm curious if, if if it was a thing for you. I was a person who fantasized about getting mixtapes. Like, so I would make mixtapes in my head uh, of mixtapes I would like to get from girls uh, <laughs> that were never delivered. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> and I did not have a wistful. Uh, gentle sadness about it i was like uh <laughs> crushing uh so that i would yeah i don't have the ability to retain very much even when i was a kid i didn't but i had the ability to imagine so it'd be like oh one day she's gonna make a mixtape for me maybe she's working on it tonight uh so that i would listen to music and, and assemble the mixtape in my mind so the mixtape in my mind that could be another sleep with the episode right there <laughs> this is that episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um you know just out of curiosity i mean you never got 
any kind of uh, mixtape that was along those lines? I found that hard to believe. No, I eventually did. Like, I got some from, like, uh, I did get one from one woman uh, or a girl. uh, That didn't. Well, was it a woman or a girl? How old was she? It was a girl. She was uh, 22. So, 22. 22. A young woman. Yeah. Yeah. And then a couple friends made me mixtapes. I remember the first one I got was like a bunch of. stuff like Jane's Addiction or something, but I didn't appreciate, like, and then I would just, bur- like, like I was one of those people, I would listen to something like 150, 200 times over and over again. So if someone gave me a tape, I would just put it in and listen to it again and again and again. Are there other ways of listening to music? I don't know. <laughs> I have not I come good. across it yet. <laughs> when I recall making mixtapes, um, I would always carry a tape recorder around with me. <clears throat> I often would have uh, an external mic that was snaking up my uh, uh, my shirt and down my sleeve, and it was clipped onto this thing that's called a watch. Um, and so I would walk around like that. So when I did my mixes, I would already have you know notes as far as what uh, you know what audio that I recorded I was going to use as uh, inter is that the word interstitial? You're that making you look used? at you. You're making field recordings. Yeah, yeah, I was making field recordings. Uh, this is early to mid-90s that I did the bulk of that work, actually through all the 90s. Um, and so I was, uh, I was using songs, I was using field recordings, and I was doing cut-and-paste jobbies, uh, Barosian, uh, sometimes uh, linguistically, otherwise uh, I'd be doing, uh, spending a lot of time, way too much time. I was taping stuff on the sides of the cassette box, the front, I mean, the back. So, yeah, very much into it. This reminds me of that. I love the music. Uh, Drew, hopefully you liked it because I feel tremendously guilty with all the work that you have to do, taking up your time (laughs) with music you don't like. No, yeah, there wasn't anything on here that I did not like. So uh, Sweet. The good news is that you could put almost all this on and do other stuff. That's the good news. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, next up, Huerco S. I know, Joe, you're going to talk about this first. I just got to say, I had to say the guy's name. You almost rolled it. I I was thinking of that, that I was being a pretentious jackass, but I just skirted it. He's kind of just like a white guy from Kansas. Um, So the work, you don't really need to roll the uh, R, I don't think. (laughs) But I'd like to. (laughs) Um, So this is another one kind of like the gas uh, pop album that really uses white noise as kind of a recurring character. It sounds like mist on a train window, like yeah. how that feels. There's kind of some record crackle in there that's very soothing. There's a very kind of subtle kind of tucked in the mix sort of you know, record crackle and this kind of luxurious bed of, of very pretty white noise. This one um, seems like it's very emotionally neutral to me. It's maybe slightly melancholy, but this this feels like a very comfortable world for me to live in. Um, How'd this one go for you, Drew? I liked it. Let's see. Uh, nice synth. I like the synth. My only pro- there was a couple problems with the sleeping. I, I like which is the like. There's a, some crackling effects. Did you uh, did you wind up listening to this one at night, or did this one up uh, as a day listen? This one I was. I remember listening because I was like. <laughs> Don't, don't don't listen to me what I'm saying this but I was trying to write notes 
it 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 drive because uh, so so that's what uh, my handwriting would not be readable even if I wasn't writing while I was driving. But thank uh, God your handwriting wasn't readable because it it wound up being the thing. Crackling <laughs> problem, but any crackling again that's like the bathroom thing. I, I'm like, oh, is there something on fire? I got to get up and deal yeah, with right. It. That might right. be a problem for some people. There is right. like, there's kind of like a vinyl record crackle that goes on a lot on this record. Yeah. Just, all you, that, no, all you got to do is just keep in mind that nothing is completely on fire when you're listening to it. <laughs> That'll put you to <laughs> sleep just knowing that. It's maybe yeah. like smoldering, maybe. Right, right. Right, um, just I, smoking. This is another one that kind of gives me the hypnagogia. We haven't mm -hmm. really talked about hypnagogia. Yeah, let's right? talk about that a little bit. Hypnagogia is the, the kind of space in between uh, waking, I, waking and dreaming. I love all that. the 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 one that that really leaps to mind the quickest, uh, it, because it's palpable, and I remember the effect it had. I was uh, was doing a daytime nap, and I was on the uh, beloved old couch that's now gone. And I'm, I need to do a proper cry about it later because it was such a, a good way to go to sleep. Um, and I remember I was having, I was just slipping into a dream where myself and a bunch of people are standing around going, turtles, 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 and thrusting our hands in the air. And uh, my phone started ringing. And as I was emerging from the dream, uh, I had a big smile on my face, but I remember thinking, oh, yeah, that makes sense because one would smile in a situation like this. The vibe was very like, oh, yeah, of course, kind of thing. And being pulled out of that was one of the most awful, rudest things that's <laughs> ever occurred to me. Yeah, it's kind of a beautiful world to be in that sort of in between sleep and dream uh but between waking and between being awake and dreaming, it's kind do of you a, do you try to hang out there often? What's your relationship <laughs> with hypnagogia, Drew? I actually, I, th I think I've heard that term and I forgot it. But I've been trying to figure out falling asleep on my back. Uh, what do you mean figuring I, out? Like, trying I, I trying know, to I sleep, sleep that way. <laughs> yeah, Got like I usually I like have to I pile like pillows on. I grip my face with like an intensity. Like I'm I'm like Whoa. a madman, and so. Like, I'm like, huh, wouldn't it be nicer to fall asleep on my back? And I know I can do it. Like you're talking about, it's like I fall asleep on uh, the couch if I'm taking a nap or I'll wake up and I'll fall back asleep. And so, like, while I've been playing some of this music, actually, I'm like, oh, I'll just lie here and listen to it. And I've entered that state, but I ha I've not fallen asleep on my back yet intentionally, but where, like, stuff starts to get weird or it's like, oh, I'm kind of dreaming uh, that middle zone. Yeah, uh, so it's nice to be there, but it's like a tease if you if you're not actually right, gonna right. doze off. Yeah, it's funny you mention that. I get I always get the same thing when I lay on my back. If I happen to like doze off while laying on my back, I I, I do get like it sort of feels pleasant. Then I get rudely awakened. <laughs> I get that right. same I get that same feeling a lot. Yeah, I'm a side sleeper, so I would love to be able to sleep on my back. Well, this one I could definitely definitely see going to sleep to, even though uh, this one was played at the office to everyone's consternation. <laughs> um, uh, last but not least, uh, Boards of Canada. Boards of Canada. So the, music has the right to children. Music has the right to children. Nineteen ninety-eight. Uh, this is a record that uh, that I hold in very high regard, and and frankly, it, it may not be a perfect going to sleep record. In fact, it's kind of got. Uh, an unstoppably uh, fountain-like, uh, you know, endless supply of ideas. So it may not be the right thing. It's kind of like 
going to sleep to old VHS tapes that were all recorded on EP speed. So they're all effed up because you tried to put too much on the tape. Uh, so the tracking knob is endlessly off and there's no way to fix it. That's a very popular sound in the contemporary music world. It's a sound I'm asked to replicate a lot in my day job making TV music. Right, to make it messed up sounding, right? Yeah, specifically that VHS kind of warbly Tell us effect. about the instruction you get. I'd, I'd be curious to hear that. Well, you know, a lot of times I'll get reference tracks for things and they'll be like, give us something like this, you know, and there's a lot of um, kind of uh, this, this sort of VHS-y kind of bent um, warped tape kind of, uh, I think it's, you get a lot of millennials are now come, are now kind of becoming, you know, entering like their 40s. And that was their thing when they were little VHS tapes, right? Think about it mm -hmm. at a certain age. So it's an, I think it's a nostalgic sound to a lot, I, of, a I, lot of people younger than myself. I got to be honest. Wait, Drew, how old are you, man? Uh, 47? 47? I'd love that you're asking me. If you want, I'll go on the internet and find out how old about you are. And let the internet you know. thinks I'm 42, so <laughs> I don't know why, but I love it. So... When I was a kid, so I'm, I, you know, a filmmaker. So when I was a kid, um, I'd be watching movies constantly, but um, I had figured out the way to replicate them and, and, and double tape them. So that was a lot of fun. If you called me, I couldn't actually talk to you because I was taping the movie. I wasn't just watching it, so I couldn't pause it. And I knew that I couldn't tune out of the movie because if I missed one line, I could miss the whole movie. So... Uh, that excluded me from having friends for quite some time. <laughs> I'm sure it was worth it. <laughs> it was, actually. Um, and uh, I taped everything because, you know, I was taping so many movies. I taped everything on EP speed. So I basically wasted my whole time. My, the, I mean, the whole... There's no, no they sounded tapes. they sounded cool like Boards of Canada, right? Right, now. they sound, <laughs> they sound you know willfully cult like. That's that's basically what I can say. But um, you could sell those for uh, for conversion and sound effects for trillions yeah. of dollars. Sample those. You got them still? I'll take them. Uh, I do. Uh, so uh, this record is an A plus. Not sure how you'll feel about it uh, as far as. You know, using yeah, it. this was my pick, and it's honestly a little bit more beat driven than I kind of remember it, but it's still pretty mellow. This is another one that maybe could be a good, like, kind of come down album. Um, but, um, and it's also, I think, probably at low volume, you could probably sleep to this. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it has a little bit more beats going on than I do remember. Yeah, this one, I could see this as maybe, uh, you know, sort of supplementing a plan to control your dreaming, to do lucid yeah. dreaming. So if you like are, if um, you're the kind of person that falls asleep to memories or something, right? If you're thinking of like kind of things that you're remembering, maybe this might be for you. There that, means, that's good thinking. M m boards of Canada in general really kind of trigger memories to me. Mm -hmm. um, your relationship with, uh, with the night has become obviously a much more uh, complex one. Um, you know, do you find that you're, you know, uh, do you find that your thoughts, your feelings about it have changed since the, the podcast? Yeah, I mean, I find I'm just more uh, like, and maybe being a parent is part of it, too. It's like I'm more able to step outside of that and be like, hey, what else can I do to help you? Like, uh, so one part of me is like trying to be like a manager or whatever and be like, oh, yeah, that sucks that you're uh, losing your shit. So uh, why don't we take a walk or uh give you know it, 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 yeah 
so so i think i learned that from the people that listen to the podcast so like oh the, you know this is what it was like for me and a lot of times i'm like oh i don't even have it so bad i mean i've heard from like yeah like like your story i hear from people coming back with soldiers dealing with ptsd and it's like holy crap like i i, yeah. I i'm lucky Mm-hmm. Well, that's also the thing about sharing your pain, and you know, and we know this also about you know from from going to meetings, is that uh, your own pain is subsumed and swallowed up by the pain of the universe. Someone's always got a worse story, um, and you know, you know, you're not alone. You found that it helped you, and you know, uh, and your show helps me and many, many, many others like me. Uh, so we. Really can't thank you enough on a personal level, uh, both for doing this show, but also, uh, you know, really to, uh, it's like a public service. I'm sure it's also a dream come true for you, uh, being able to uh, support yourself off the back of just doing this. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's like really something, like you said, it's like it gives me purpose and I feel lucky to do it. And, and it's endlessly... I think when we think about all this music and and it's like thus far, the podcast has been endlessly creatively challenging in a way where I'm like, huh, let's try this and see how it goes. Or let's see what this puzzle is and try to try to put these puzzle pieces together and see what it looks like within the context of the show. There's rules, but it's like, oh, I get to experiment within those rules. And and I still find it fascinating to try to figure out what those are and still push uh, what the limits are. And yeah, we'll see. I'm always like, how, how, how long can I ride this pony for? Well, hopefully forever. Uh, you know, it's, it's a great show. Uh, you know, anyone out there in Discography City, basically, you just got to check out Sleep With Me. It's an amazing podcast. Even if you, uh, you know, have no trouble getting to sleep, if you wake up in the middle of the night, that's a great way for, uh, you know, to use it. I use it that way. I also want to thank... Joe Cravino for uh, for helping us with this. If it wasn't for Joe, this show would not be in existence. Joe Cravino, uh, you know, works on Discography and is also a Patreon member of Sleep with Me. <clears throat> Listens to it most nights to get to sleep, and he engineered uh, the uh, the meeting of the minds here. So we just want to thank you and. Joe, we love you. Thank you so, Thanks, so Joe. much. Yeah. He loves you in the most authentic definition of the word, as is humanly <laughs> imaginable. I'm serious. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for, for tuning in. And if, you, if you're still awake, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then I'm going to speak louder to make sure you wake up so we can say a goodbye proper. Let's, let's to, do the opposite. Let's take it down. To Scoots. Scoots, thank you so much for joining. Now I feel like I'm doing like a late night love letters call in. Now you're like a uh, one of those uh, quiet storm guys. (laughs) Right. Uh, Well, you know what to do. Definitely, uh, you know, uh, follow us on every social media outlet imaginable. Uh, You know, uh, give us five stars on the thing, and then follow us on. Uh, you know, on Spotify, Apple, whatever you do. Check out the new improved discography.com. We've made some upgrades over there. Site kind of loads faster. We've got some social socials happening in there. Beef that up a little bit. That's right. And, um, you know, uh, definitely tell tell a friend, you know, um, 
Send out, it doesn't cost you a thing to set out, send out uh, episodes. So if you know somebody who's suffering from insomnia, send this out to them. If you know somebody who loves Pink Floyd, send the Pink Floyd episode out. You know how it works. You're doing a kindness, and you'll go to heaven. This has been proven. <laughs> do good deeds, you'll go to heaven. Costs you nothing to do so. So before we sign off, one last from the bottom of our hearts, s- sincere thank you to Drew for joining us today. Yes. Really, this was so much fun having you here. Thanks was, so much for having me. That was great. Drew, we love you, man. In the most authentic definition of that word, just like Joe Gravino. Uh, we will see you in the twilight reaches uh, of the deep dark night. and We will uh, soon return you to your regularly scheduled programming on <laughs> Discography. Discography. Take it easy.